to another episode of Bam That's Boris and Matt Weekly, the show where we talk about sports, the show where we talk about entertainment, and then at the end, we bring it all together to chat some sports entertainment. And boy, oh boy, do we have a really busy week. This week, we're going to be covering NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, baseball technology, baseball tanking, some quick F1 news. Then on the wrestling side, we have Impact Wrestling. We have one special match requested by a listener, you. And then we're going to be chatting some best of Super Juniors. And, and somewhere in the middle of all of that, we have a special interview on a show coming up this weekend here in Toronto. Only the toughest wrestling. Those of you coming from Sunday Night's Main Event may recognize the voice. He is a voice very familiar to Sunday Night's Main Event and the law that's gonna be a fun chat matt it's gonna be a great show i am pumped jam-packed edition boris we cannot dilly-dally too much bonjour by the way how's everybody doing out there we hope you are doing well uh how are you doing big homie I'm doing pretty good, man. I'm doing actually really good. Uh, you know, we're recording a little later than we usually do on this Friday, but I'm awake. I'm feeling good. Uh, it's been a super busy week. Uh, kind of took today a little easier, which was fun for me, fun and good for me. Uh, but yeah, I'm just kind of chat- catching up on life. Let me tell you that, just catching up on like, you know, you know, messaging around, making sure that my friends are, you know, all good, healthy, alive, uh, and, uh, <laughs> you know, doing my thing, watching some shows, started watching some new shows, catching up on shows, doing that. Actually, I started watching, for the first time, Modern Family. Nice. I actually, I, I quite like Modern Family. I was, I went to Humber College for comedy writing and performance, Boris, cha-cha-cha. Anyway, in our, in our classes, we actually studied a couple Modern Family scripts because they're pretty tight. The pilot of Modern Family we studied too, because that's known as one of the best pilots, like first episodes ever. So cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much where I'm at. Matt, how are you? Uh, good man. Very, very well. Uh, you know, hanging in there. The TikTok is doing pretty good. So I'm excited about that. Got like, we're over 3k views for today's video. If you haven't checked that out yet, go check out TikTok uh, Sunday night's main event radio. And, uh, we're out there making videos, man, making today in WWE history videos every single day. It's a lot of fun and, uh, life is good. Excellent, man. So, yeah, so this week you're probably, you know, hopefully this isn't the first time you're listening to BAM, especially those coming from the Sunday Night's Main Event free feed. I welcome you. Uh, And, you know, this is just a sample of one of the shows that you get each and every day on our Patreon. One show a day. Every show is a lot of fun. And this show, you know, this show to me is kind of like our... Like for my, well, clearly we love it because it's called Boris and Matt Weekly, but you know, it's, it's the fact that we get to just talk about exactly what we want to chat about, chat some sports, chat some wrestling, chat some TV. Sometimes we chat whatever's, you know, current and up and coming, but on the wrestling side, especially, you know, there's just so much wrestling right now. It is insane how much wrestling there is. Um, so, you know, we try to focus on what's quote unquote hot. What is, you know, the, the flavor de jour, you know, if there's a big NWA show, <laughs> God damn, we're going to hate it, but we're going to watch it. Um, if there's an MLW uh, show, you know, Battle Riot or something that we'll cover it, we'll watch it, we'll chat about it, um, you know, but we try to 
stay up and current with what's kind of hot right now. And ironically enough, right now, Impact Wrestling, Impact, is just like, you know, hitting on all cylinders, as they say. Yeah, and you're more into the Impact than me, but I do watch the big matches, and Impact is really, really, it is solid. Oh, hold on. I'm into <laughs> it. Like, I'm, okay, I watch it mainly because I'm filling in for Bob Kapoor right now over at slamwrestling.net. I'm doing the weekly Impact reports while he's a busy guy doing busy guy stuff. So that's really why I'm watching it uh, and might as well talk about it if I'm you know putting myself through that. Uh, but we're going to be chatting about some Impact there. But yeah, if you like what you hear, Patreon.com slash SNME radio. Uh, you know, it's just uh, for just under five fifty a month. You get to listen to us. You get to listen to Dan the Mouth. You get to listen to everybody chat, a different wrestling show. We cover quite a bit in over the week. Uh, so we are more than just a weekly radio show with Mike McGuire. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, Patreon.com slash SNME radio. Hopefully you like what you hear. Go on over, join, and, uh, you know, join in on the fun because, you know, we do take, like I mentioned at the top, we do take listener suggestions. Uh, for example, we're going to, we watch the Defy main event, uh, Filthy Tom Lawler versus John Moxley. Oh, t- plenty of thoughts on that match. But that actually came oh. from someone from the Facebook group that came from the Facebook group. So, you know, um, you know, if there's anything that comes up, uh, indie show, a you know a GCW show, whatever. Just let us know. We'll watch it and we can chat about it. Absolutely, yeah. We're on Twitter. We're on uh, Insta. We're on TikTok now. So get at us however you would like. We're uh, we're not hard to find. Matt's on Tinder. <laughs> I am. I am on Tinder, of course. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't know where I was going with that. Am I? <laughs> <So> just... <laughs> All right, so let's get to it, dude. So tons of playoff, NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs. Um, Let's start with the NHL. This year's NHL playoffs, it's like a tale of two games. I think every series has gone through two games so far. Uh, It is Friday, May the 6th. You know, let's date it just because we should if we're going to be talking about the playoffs. Um, And I honestly swear that almost every series, even, even the Predators Avalanche series, yeah, it's two nothing, but even that series, it's been like a tale of two games. I know what you mean. The only one that's kind of shaken down the same way both times is Hurricanes Bruins, where Carolina's kind of cranked Boston twice in a row. Thank but God. But other than that, <laughs> other than that, we've seen aggressive swings. Maple Leafs Lightning was a pretty aggressive swing. Wild Blues. I feel like St. Louis kicked the crap out of Minnesota game one, and then Minnesota came right back with the haymaker to St. Louis in game two. Some would say Minnesota went wild. <laughs> Some would probably say that. Uh, I Oilers, wouldn't. Oilers, uh, Kings, tale of two games. Like it was crazy. Like did, did the teams that lost or won in game one just forget how to play? Like I know that like it's the playoffs, and you know you you, you want to come back from a loss, but I've never seen so many series go this way. Well, Boris, uh, here at BAM, I think our mentors are Tony Kornheiser and Mike Wilbon over at PTI. And I think what, uh, what something Tony says all the time is the other team, they have coaches too, Boris. And they're all employed. They're all working really hard. They're all fighting for their lives as well. So what happened was hockey is a very, very physical, very tight, close game. And the other teams played really hard. So we have some, we have some playoff series is, 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 is what we got here, buddy. 
Yeah, no, it's been it's been fun, honestly. Like it's this has been the most entertained I've been watching the the NHL playoffs in a really long time. And and you know, it's it's it, by that I mean I typically focus on the teams that I, you know, support. Uh, whether that be the Leafs, believe it or not, or the Kings, right? Outside of that, I'm like, okay, I'll watch a game if I'm bored. But I'm actually going out of my way to watch multiple games because they've been a lot of fun. Um, even last night's Dallas-Calgary game. Calgary was just couldn't find a solution. Yeah, that was like, that was hard fought. That was, that was... Uh, some old school hockey. It's like all these series are still playing modern high scoring hockey and flame stars is a series out of 2004. That thing is just violent and hard hitting and low scoring and it's a battle, but it's still very, I, I'm entertained by it. Anyway, I caught a little bit of that game last night as well. Um, so yeah, you just, I, we did the entire playoff tree like a week or two ago, so I don't want to go through the whole thing, but are you, are you scared of any of your predictions right now? Are you changing anything? Are you backing off Boris? You almost backed off Colorado to win the cup, but you talked yourself back into them. How do you feel about the avalanche? How, what, what's your read on things? Here's the thing. I don't know whether the Avalanche are that good or the Predators just are falling apart, you know, late in the game or in, or in last night's case, uh, the um, uh, penal or overtime. Uh, so I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm going to stick to my guns. The Avalanche are looking insanely good, but I'm still waiting for that Kadri dumb move <laughs> where he gets himself suspended in the playoffs. Well, eventually, eventually he's got to learn, right? Let, well, maybe not. Let's hope, though. I would say the only thing that we that we are like straight up wrong about was we both liked Boston a little more maybe than we should have. We didn't give Carolina enough credit, but we did say their shot suppression, their team defense was strong, and they wouldn't be ruined by the loss of the goalie. It just maybe we had too much respect for the aging Bruins, but they're going back to Boston. That game is happening 7 p.m. Friday. It may have happened by the time you you've listened to this who knows it might be happening right now throw the tv on tell us if we're wrong boston uh i think they're gonna win tonight i think they're gonna answer another exciting series actually one that i'm really enjoying a lot is pittsburgh new york rangers that series oh. is a lot of fun and you knew it was going to be fun when they went into triple overtime in game one game one triple overtime the previous record, I saw this on Sports Editor this morning. So if I'm wrong, blame them. But uh, the previous record for saves over someone's first two playoff starts was 97, held by Roberto Luongo with the Canucks. Shesterkin has recorded 118, shattering that record. So yeah, the, uh, it's been very, very entertaining, very interesting hockey. But. Uh, who if Pittsburgh, I don't know, man. Pittsburgh's running on fumes with uh, Domingue in that. I, I don't like their odds. Yeah, they're looking tired. They're looking old. And this is an old team, right? And, and, and you know, for me, the interesting part is going to be what happens to Pittsburgh if they lose in the first round because a ton of contracts are up. You know, is it time to rebuild? What do you think is going to happen to Pittsburgh if they lose in the first round? Well, I think win, lose, or draw, Malkin's probably gone. I don't know. Maybe he'll go back to play in the KHL, although obviously there Russia's, uh, you know, that's it's not exactly uh, like it would have been in 2014 or 15, say, right? So who knows, man? What, uh, but I do think Malkin, win, lose, or draw here, if the Penguins win the Stanley Cup, I bet Malkin's gone. I bet there will be changes, but especially if they lose in the first round. Like, it will finally be the year. 
that Evgeny Malkin switches teams. Yeah, it's going to be crazy, absolutely crazy. Uh, but yeah, no, honestly, this has been a very fun, entertaining NHL playoffs. One thing that I'm noticing more this year, and maybe it's because I'm watching more games. I don't know. Uh, you can tell me what you think on this, and that is um, there's been a lot of aggressors. There's been a lot of cheap shots and aggressors trying to start fights, and it just seems like like I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. Well, it's the playoffs. I don't know if it's more than usual. Maybe it just stands out more because it's so different than it is in the regular season. But this is never really going to change. Maybe it will to some extent. But yeah, man, it it's always going to be ramped up physicality. And there's always going to be people trying to get a competitive physical edge, you know? So I don't know. Right. Yeah, so so that is the NHL playoffs. Uh, anything, anything last you want to uh, point out before we move on to the NBA? Uh, no, I think, yeah, just to just to reiterate, I think we both, uh, though this is a Toronto-based podcast, I think we both still like the Lightning. I think we're taking Colorado versus Tampa in the finals, and we still like Calgary, although Dallas has given them a heck of a go. Yeah, Dallas is uh, surprising me, honestly. They're honestly surprising me. Um, but one thing about Dallas is that, you know, they fought their way into the playoffs. And there's something to be said about having that mentality fighting your way into the playoffs versus a team who is comfortably in it and kind of preparing for the playoffs, where a team like Dallas, every game was playoff scenario for them for a while. Right. But I wonder, so they're ready to go right now. They're already, they're humming. But I wonder if a team like that runs out of gas in game six or game seven or round two or three. Well, here's the thing. Uh, 2000, what, 11 LA Kings, they just completely rode in, into the finals and won the cup. Yeah. Losing only one That's game in the finals. You're right. You're right. They, uh, yeah, they came in as an eighth seed and romped in the playoffs, but that's a little bit of a special case because I feel like they were a team that was ascending because yeah. the, the following season, they were really good. And for the next little while, the Kings were one of the best teams in the Western conference uh, yep. perennially. Right. So, yeah, yep, exactly. So it, I know I'm, it's the one example, but it's happened, right? Like, you know, it's some teams sometimes it's just can muster up the, the, you know, the energy to go far. And sometimes, like you said, they just run out of gas and that's it. That's all she wrote. Let the fat lady sing on, on their season. Yeah, absolutely. Which brings us to the NBA, buddy. And the fat lady might be singing on the Philadelphia 76ers. Thank Miami Heat looking God. to go up. <laughs> Heat looking to go up 3-0. Oh, man. You know what? Uh, obviously Philadelphia eliminated Toronto and I'm not happy about this. I'm not saying like, yeah, get them. Like this is some kind of, you know, like hillbilly, uh, hick fan or whatever. But at the same time, like it is, it is, uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> the Raptors took a piece from the Philadelphia 76ers. Am I happy about it? No. Is it a thing that's clearly happening in front of our eyes? Yes. So there's that. Except Joel Embiid might not be able to see it because of his broken orbital bone. Oh, come on. What? It's true. He's got a broken orbital bone. He and he might not be able to see it if it's in front of him. Oh, man. So so it looks like the Heat are probably going to beat the 76ers unless James Harden's corpse comes to life, which uh, I don't know. I don't like their odds. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So Heat over 76ers well, in, the, in the NBA. And clearly, we're not going to see Ben Simmons because it's been reported that, that he's actually going to go in for back surgery. Well, he doesn't play for the 76ers anymore, but yeah, no, no I uh, yes, yeah. But like, clearly, we're like, not, it's just yeah. like, like, it's just like everything about the 76ers over this season 
It's just been insane to follow. Uh, but yeah, you know, can you imagine if the Nets were still in it and Simmons was like, you know, nah, I'm good. My back hurts now. <laughs> I could imagine that. Yeah. In retrospect, it gets dumber and dumber that I picked them to win the title, but I'm glad. I'm glad I did. I will wear that L embarrassingly. You picked them just because that is the world we live in where you can be a piece <laughs> of trash and, you know, still come out on top. <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you. Yeah, that is exactly. And I said it a number of times, but it was still wrong. But yes, yeah. thank you for uh, repeating my logic. Uh, you want to talk about it? I appreciate it, buddy. You want to talk about a tale of two uh, games? That's what we've seen in the Celtics Bucks series. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to say the least, that's been insane. Um, yeah, I, I don't even know what's going to happen in the next couple games. Like, it's been just crazy. Like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know. Again, uh, yes, they have coaches, but to see the drastic change between games one and two, just unheard of. I, I do think the Celtics were feeling themselves a little bit. This is an oversimplification, obviously, and there are, like, real basketball reasons. But, like, the Bill Simmons-ish take on this would be, like, the Celtics were coming in a little cocky, and they got shocked by the Bucs. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, and I think the Celtics readjusted, and they have the best defense in basketball, and that's something to contend with. So Celtics versus Bucks, I, I think both of those teams would crank Miami or Philly so that's definitely looking like the Eastern Conference Final, at least. Still, still like Milwaukee, though. Yeah, um, Milwaukee, though. Like, and, and we like Milwaukee here on Bam, but other you know people who are much quote unquote smarter than us, or at least get paid a lot more than us to talk about sports, um, people don't give the respect to the Bucks that they deserve. No, absolutely not. They're the defending fucking NBA champions, buddy. Like, don't get it twisted, right? Like. What is it like about the NBA circles? And this happens so much more in NBA than any other sport, I think, where, you know, a team like the Raptors, you know, when the Raptors were good, they were disrespected. The Bucks, a reigning defending champions, completely disrespected. You know, you have, you know, what, one of the best players in the league and people are just looking over you. Yeah, there are injuries, right? They're missing some key players. But again, you look at the predictions no one is like just wholeheartedly going for the bucks at this point. I think, uh, I think a big problem with basketball is it seems to be the most online sport, but perhaps I'm wrong, but it seems to be the most like, uh, social media overreactions. Uh, the NBA seems to have the most of those, like it, the, the most like focused on the moment, like this just happened. Therefore LeBron sucks now. Like therefore, like, Kyrie Irving has always been trash. Kevin Durant is washed up. Ben Simmons was never good. This and that. You know what I mean? Like we see a lot of a lot of just overreactions in the moment because uh NBA is popular with the youth and there's a lot of it on social media, right? That's I think that's a big I think that's a big part of it, man. I think I agree 100% with you because while the NFL is bigger and yeah, they get more social media clicks, they don't have active people talking about their games like they do the NBA. And by that, I mean, you know, myself, yourself. I don't go on talk about the NFL, right? Like, I, I don't. I don't talk about the NBA either. But I feel like the, demo, the demos are behind the NBA a lot more than the NFL. You get a lot more hot takes. And I feel like because yeah. of some of the analysts in the NBA, hot takes is what people just love to do with the NBA. 
Look yeah, at man, TNT. Absolutely. Look at the TNT uh, analysts, right? Like the way that they talk, the way that they go around, the way that they flip flop literally quarter to quarter. Any other sport, people would just shut them off. Yeah, I know what you mean. But people love hearing Shaq say the Raptors are going to get swept. Or Charles Barkley for years clown the Warriors because a jump shooting team can't win the title. You know what I mean? But uh, anyway, so yeah. So moving on to the Western Conference, I feel like the Suns are going to stomp the Mavericks. Devin Booker's back. They seem to be humming. I don't think the Mavericks have enough to beat this 60-win Suns team. Like, the Suns are very, very good. Uh, The best series right now is by far Grizzlies Warriors. John Morant is not human. We are blessed to watch this man play basketball right now. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's, uh, where did he come from? Like, I feel like he got popular and, like, you know, noticed that last quarter of the season. Yeah, well, I mean, he went to a small school, Murray State, I want to say. Uh, I believe, Boris, uh, the Kentucky gentleman, Chuck Taylor, might have also gone to uh, Murray State. But, uh, yeah, man, he was kind of like an under-the-radar superstar, number two in the Zion draft, I also believe, right? So, But, man, he's an absolute stud, like a franchise-changing, looking like, knock on wood, if he continues on this trajectory, Hall of Fame-level player, like, right? Like, am I wrong? Like, he looks absolutely incredible. Yep. Yep. Agreed 100%. Like, it's it's been crazy, to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. But again, I think we're still on track for Suns versus Warriors and Bucks versus Heat rather than Brooklyn versus Heat. But, you know. Yep. All right. So. (laughs) All right. Let us move on to some MLB and baseball news. You wanted to talk about a particular team possibly tanking. Possibly tanking. (laughs) Possibly tanking. It's like saying the sky is possibly blue. The Cincinnati Reds are 3-22, and Boris. You can't tank any harder than that. And it's an aggressive tank. So the funny thing about this is Major League Baseball is instituting a draft lottery in 2023. So this is the last year that you can officially fully tank and the worst team will get the best pick. And Cincinnati is leaning into it. They are Tokyo drifting into this tank, buddy. This is a a, a full-on 76ers uh, Sam Hankey process tank this is as tanky as a tank has ever been this is like miro's wrestlemania entrance this is rusev on a tank level tank <laughs> oh you know i i think you're 100 right like here's the thing joey Votto's injured on top of it all he's not even around right now so it's like why why play why bother playing here's my thing though friday may 20th saturday uh may 21st sunday may 22nd the reds are in toronto they're going to sweep Toronto. Nice. <laughs> Get out of here. They're going to sweep Toronto. Can I tell oh, you something Lord. about another sport in the MLS? Cincinnati FC, worst team in the league, just beat Toronto back-to-back games and made them look embarrassing. Like, made them look like this is like, you know, bringing in a Zamboni driver as your goalkeeper and losing. <laughs> Well, Boris, might I posit to you, my friend, that if the worst team in the league just embarrassed us twice, perhaps we are the worst team in the league. Yes, math math would dictate (laughs) that that's how math works, right? Oh, man. So when when, when are the Jays coming or when are the Reds coming? May 21st, 22nd, 23rd, you said? 20, 21st, 22nd, the May long weekend. Oh, uh, we should maybe try to go to those games, man. Uh, Hunter Green, 
Hunter Green is like the lone bright spot for Cincinnati. He's an awesome young pitcher. He throws like a 117,000 miles an hour. He's got like the fastest of fastballs. And it would be awesome to see him pitch live. And I got him in fantasy too. So, yeah, I, I, if Hunter Green's playing in Toronto, I want to go see that game. Yeah, and you know the tickets are going to be really, really, really cheap because it is Cincinnati. Exactly. Right? Exactly. The single worst team, a dumbass, shite-ass National League team. Yeah, we can get good seats for that. Yep, exactly. All right, so MLB, Cincinnati Reds tanking. Let's talk about some technology in MLB. We already talked about uh, the pitch clock. Pitch clock is coming in 2023. That's a thing. It's shaving off still 20 to 30 minutes off a game in the minors where it's being used. That's crazy. Like, I love that, to be honest, because, you know, as I'm, I'm a baseball. I like to consider myself a baseball purist, um, and I guess I'm not because I, I, I've actually embraced technology and with this, uh, the pitch counter, uh, the pitch clock. Uh, but, you know, games are too long sometimes. Maybe it's because I'm an old fuck right now. I don't know what it is, but just the games are too long, um, and, and, and pitchers themselves just take too long to get ready sometimes. So I'm a fan of that. But what I wanted to talk about today was this new um, pitch comm device that has been introduced in the MLB. Not every team is using this right now. And essentially, this is thank you, Houston Astros, for cheating and fucking your way to the World Series and beating my Dodgers. Uh, this is the pitch comm that has been introduced to kind of counter sign stealing, uh, which is a huge issue. Let's be honest here, Matt. The Astros were the team who got caught the most doing this, but every team does this. The Jays are actually constantly, um, you know, being 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 ridiculed and being shat on for sign stealing. Yeah, there's all there's been questions around the Jays, been questions around the Yankees, Red Sox as well. Uh, yeah, it feels like every team has been cheating in the uh, the entire history of baseball the whole time. So, so, uh, but yeah, so. This is a, like you said, it's the new evolution. Sorry, please continue. No, I was just going to say, so PitchCom is essentially a technology that allows the catcher to call a pitch without actually putting signs down. The catcher has like a, a wrist uh, device, puts in various signs, and then that sends a, uh, a, a, a verbal sign to the pitcher. You know, it'll whisper to him in sweet little nothings what pitch to throw. I don't know if it says the actual uh, the, the pitch itself, um, but apparently it does. Uh, you know, people were saying you don't even notice it. Mets reliever Adam Otavino said uh, he says it sort of just whispers to you. It's like slider. So, you know, it, it's kind of <laughs> cool in that sense. Um, you know, but I, I want to ask you, what do you think of this? I don't mind it at all. I, I, I think it's kind of it's kind of fun. I can understand a purist being, you know, annoyed. But at the same time, it's a quick fix to a problem that was uh, kind of ruining baseball, right? Like the uh, B, uh, if people are pissed about the Astros, you can't also be pissed about this, right? If you didn't care that the Astros cheated and you think it was bull that they got punished at all, I can see that person being mad at this. I think this is cool, man. I think baseball should embrace technology more. Um, according to CBC here, I have a, an article pulled up. So uh, a thin band tucked inside a cap allows the audio to be heard at an adjustable level. This is envisioned to be used by pitchers, second baseman, shortstops, 
and center fielders. Signals communicated via pitch call may only be given by the catcher in the game. They cannot be sent from the dugout, the bullpen, or any other different player currently in the field. Only the catcher. So that, those are the rules right now as they are drawn up. Yep. And it only tells you the pitch. You have to find a way to say and 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 relay location. But what I do like about this is number one. So obviously, the, you know, the catcher. People don't realize how integral the catcher is to baseball. Catcher calls the game. Yeah, he might take some signs and some direction from the bench, but he's essentially the one who works with the pitcher, who knows the batters, who knows what's coming up next, who dictates how to get these people out whether you want to strike them out or, you know, allow them to hit to the field and let the defense take care of it. So the catcher is integral to all of this. What I really like, and I was going to mention, but you already brought it up, was the fact that when the catcher sends the message, pressing these little buttons on his wrist device, it sends it to not only the pitcher, it sends it to the center fielder and one more infielder. Because everyone kind of needs to know what's coming up sometimes. That way you can better position yourself. There's many reasons why. So I kind of like the fact that they've kind of expanded this a little more. And it's the catcher who's the only one who's able to relay uh, what the pitch is. It'll be interesting to see how they relay location. But I'm a fan of this. And this is why. As much of a baseball purist I am. I'm not mad with, uh, you know, essentially the same technology, except it's calm technology from the bench to the quarterback being used in football. Yeah, exactly. And it, these things are used in other sports all the time, man. So like, and it's important to note that this isn't mandatory. You're not forced to use this. You're allowed to just go old school if you would like and not even pick up one of these devices ever in the game. You don't yep. have to use these things. Uh, but uh, it, it, it's 2022. This kind of technology exists. So it should be there if you want it, in my opinion. And uh if, if, you know, if some teams want to go old school, that's great, too. There's a whole mental game, right, that is kind of being lost, and I get that. But at the same time, whatever, it's it's here to prevent cheating, and I think that's more important than whatever mental chess game may or may not be lost by stealing signals, you know? Exactly. That's the thing. Right now, that's another. that's one less thing that MLB has to worry about when it comes to, like, what's ruining MLB? Uh, so, you know, I'm all for this technology, and my favorite part about all of this is more so the fact that, like you said, it's a case-by-case -case basis. If you're a purist of the pure pitcher and catcher, you don't have to use this technology. But I can see this in five, ten years, everyone using this. Exactly. It kind of reminds me of like, uh, I don't know, any any other, you could say. Uh, a mask for goalies innovation. in hockey. Absolutely right, buddy. Like, you know, or helmets in general, or even just like shooting threes in basketball, right? Like this feels just like the next evolution. Yep, exactly. And that's a thing. It's all about evolution, right? Especially now in the social media age, uh, you know, the, the advertising dollar age, the TV and streaming deal age. You got to make your sport as appetizing as humanly possible. And MLB has a lot of, of a lot ways to go, in my opinion, still. Oh, absolutely, man. Long way to go. But it does kind of seem like they're starting to dip their toes in the water of the 21st century. So that's good.
Yep. All right. I want to jump to the F1. One quick F1 news item that I really want to talk about because to me it's actually hilarious. Uh, we're going to be talking more F1. We're going to bring Dan DeMouth Lovransky, who's been watching F1, you know, since time began. Uh, you know, and I think we're going to bring him on around the time of the Canadian Grand Prix in June. We're Canadian. Cool. We're from Toronto. Montreal's not too far. We're going to bring and chat a lot more F1 for the Canadian Grand Prix. But this weekend, F1 is in Miami. That's I like when the F1 is in the States for the simple fact that I don't have to be up at ungodly hours to watch it. That makes a lot of sense, man. Absolutely. I'm not, uh, not an F1 guy, but that's cool. Yeah. Miami so GP. Here's the thing that's going on this weekend. The FIA, that's the governing body of the F1. They make up the rules. They make up, you know, rules as it pertains to the cars, safety, etc. The FIA is having a big beef with Lewis Hamilton. Oh, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I literally just Google, quick Google, the dumbest way to possibly cover this sport, Boris. And that's what comes up. Lewis Hamilton ready to miss F1 yep. Miami Grand Prix over jewelry standoff. Exactly. So this is the thing. Rules state drivers are not permitted to wear jewelry in the car for safety reason. Um <laughs> This regulation hasn't really been enforced until this season. Um, and the reason why is uh, they have a new race director, Niels Wittich, and he's really trying to hanker down the rules. He's trying to make sure that everyone follows the same rules. That way, if you get controversy at the end of the season, similar to last season, no one can say anything. Crazy concept to follow the rules as they're written. Well, I understand what you're saying, but uh, like at the same time, what is important, in my opinion, and this is because I'm a, a shit-disturbing liberal, but what is important, Boris, is the spirit of the rule, not the letter of the rule. That's how I live my okay, life but, every single on. day. Let's, let's think about this. Lewis Hamilton is wearing his bling, let's call it, and it's a bling necklace. It gets caught on a gear or his steering wheel, and the car's on fire. Well, I understand the fear, but this is my question. How realistic a fear is it? Is this like, I don't know, is it kind of racist to say, hey, Lewis Hamilton, you can't wear jewelry in your car because we're scared of your safety? Is that like dumb as fuck? Is that not absolute bullshit? Am yeah, I wrong? It's not, like, the, it's, not like the, wearing, it's not like wearing a long necklace playing basketball. But if he's the you know only what I mean? one like, doing it, then that's why the beef is with him. I understand that. That makes sense. You know? So <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, I, I, that's uh, the thing. I, don't know. I, I know where you're coming from, but if yeah. he's the only one and he's the only one who's been kind of, you know, uh, uh, centered around this, and that's because he's probably the only one doing this. I say probably just because, you know, I, I'm not there. I don't know. I don't, you know, I don't check the drivers before they jump in the car with my two eyes. So I don't know. But the way that everything's been reported is that Lewis Hamilton is known to wear tons of jewelry as he gets into his car right before a race. And this new race director really wants to hamper down. He wants to say no more, no mas. Um, and that's 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 where we're at. So Lewis Hamilton is willing to be barred. He's willing to sit for his bling. Man, well, again, like I, I, I'm not an F1 fan at all. 
I'm not even like a car guy at all. So this is like a, a casual non-fan perspective. I'm, I'm not even saying it's everyone's perspective. It is my perspective, but it seems silly to me to ban this guy from wearing jewelry in his car. I'm not saying F1's not a sport. I'm not saying it's not, there perhaps aren't dangers there, but man, he's, he's, he's driving. He's yeah, fucking but, driving. I, th- I think happens, he can wear like, okay, you know, you know, one out of that million times, something dangerous does happen. And one out of that million, out of that one out of a million time, he's caught because of his necklace or a bracelet or something, right? Then what? Yeah, you're right. You're right. And that's why they have rules, right? Is to prevent, like, they're not trying to just be hard asses for the sake of it. They're trying to help people and prevent serious injury and death. So I understand what you're saying. Just to me, this one seems a uh, little bit fucking silly. <laughs> you yeah, know? I don't know. And the, but this is, that's, that's the thing. Like you're coming from a 100% fans, not even a fans perspective, a outsider's perspective. Yes, it outsider, seems dumb. Yes. It seems dumb, man. But you know, th- these are, these are uh, cars that are literally going 200 kilometers an hour. Just, you know, and anything can happen. And, you know, if if they if they need to redesignate or rewrite a rule, I'm fine with that. But if the rule's there, a rule's there, and 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 here's the thing: like, and the, we're kind of seeing this in baseball, especially where rules are being enforced, and it kind of takes away from the game. Now that we have um, uh, video technology, because for example, if a guy is sliding into second and his thumb isn't fully on or one piece of his body isn't fully on a base as he's sliding into the base well he's out so the issue is people now because of technology because of various reasons are enforcing the rules to a t which can take away from the enjoyment of it but this is why i think that we need to have more reviews of rules and you can't go by the spirit of a rule there needs to be rules and amendments and, you know, just better written uh, verbiage to said rules. You're right in the real world. But again, as a, uh, you know, gaga yeah. liberal hippie, I think, why can't we all just get along, Boris? You know, why can't we find a compromise? But you're absolutely uh, completely correct, especially about the instant replay thing in all sports. You're 100 percent correct. Yeah, it's it, like we see it in the NFL quite a bit. Uh, but baseball is the one I, th- I guess beca- it's uh, the one on the top of my head because, number one, I watch it the most probably. And number two, it's the sport where I find that, you know, it's just taken away. Away from a lot of enjoyment of the game i don't even want to talk about var and football right now like that's a whole other that's a whole other shit mountain to climb <laughs> the shit winds are blowing boris the shit winds are blowing <laughs> didn't the scorpions have a song called like that i did there i don't know no, i was, winds, I was of change. Uh, I th- winds of change <laughs> That was full trailer park boys for me, not scorpions. But uh, I, I support the win- various wins from the scorpions. Yep. All right. So <laughs> I think it's time to move on to professional wrestling. How does that sound, Matt? Sounds like a plan, buddy. Should we start by previewing this here WWE pay per view on the weekend? Yeah, we might as well. Do you have the card up and ready? Are you ready to chat some WrestleMania backlash? And just a reminder to everyone listening, patrons from Sunday night's main event, you will be getting a link on Sunday morning, late Saturday night, Sunday morning, so that you can join the Zoom 
after party, the WrestleMania Backlash after party. If you're a patron, you can come on board. You can ask questions. You can participate in the show. Everyone else, go to YouTube. Go to Sunday night's main event radio. Subscribe. Set a reminder. Come join us on Sunday after WrestleMania Backlash. We usually go live 10, 15 minutes after. And, uh, you know, dare I say, it could be better than the actual show sometimes. Uh, maybe better than this one. Good plug, by the way, buddy. Uh, also, do we know if Mike is hosting or are you, what, what's going on? Is, so is, it, if, it's going to be myself, Mike, maybe you, and Mark Andrada. Thank you for throwing that maybe in there. We're going to see because, yeah, I'll read down this card right now. We have six matches announced. Uh, well, let's just start uh, with the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship. Boris, it's an I quit match. Champion Charlotte Flair defends versus Ronda Rousey. Yeah, it is an I quit match. Uh, you know, I don't know. This match, do you give Ronda two L's? That's the question. Yeah, no, and I think, yeah, how how do you do the babyface, quote-unquote, Ronda quitting, right? So, yeah, I think Ronda wins this match. Uh, Charlotte quits in the middle of the ring to the armbar. That's what I would do. And that's going to be interesting um, to, 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 to see just because, you know, Charlotte is Charlotte. We know how WWE protects Charlotte. Yes, yeah, absolutely. But she'll lose she'll lose a, a title here and there to get yeah, it back, to break course. that record, that Ric Flair record. Of course. Um yes, absolutely. Singles match, Boris, Cody Rhodes versus the worst character in wrestling, Seth Freakin' Rollins. Well, I thought I thought you were gonna say worst character in wrestling, Cody Rhodes. I would have accepted <laughs> that one. I'm joking. Oh, geez. People, geez. tranquilo. Um <laughs> I gotta keep it well, up, I, right? I can't be. Yeah, you got <laughs> You can't waver off your bit now. You gotta be the original Cody hater. Yep. Uh, no, but I actually I loved their WrestleMania match. I thought it was a, a classic. I thought it was really great, and I'm excited to see this match again. This is the only thing on this show that I really have any time for. I'm excited for one other match because it can't be worse than the WrestleMania match. Uh, but this <laughs> match, I, I think it's gonna be good. I think this match is gonna be great. Uh, but I'm gonna have to give it to uh, Seth freaking Rollins. Yeah, Seth wins with some kind of heel shenanigan, and uh, it sets up probably a Hell in a Cell match, right? Is that the next pay-per-view, Hell in the a Cell? The next pay-per-view is uh, Money in the Bank. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. No, I think, no, what, what, what are we, May? No, you're right, Hell in a Cell's next. Yeah, ha-ha, Boris, and I don't even watch WWE all the time. I try I try to watch as little as possible. Watch it. <laughs> anyway. It's, it's, it's like- no, you don't have to. Don't, you know what, just, don't just, have to apologize. I'm not, apo- apologize I'm not apologizing to you. Seth Rollins wins this match, <laughs> setting up Hell in a Cell, June 5th, 2022. Uh, next up, okay, Boris, am I tripping balls? Did we not have a unification match lined up? A tag yeah, team we title did. unification but match? Over the past few weeks, this has been turned into a six-man tag because WWE has no cojones to actually pull the trigger on unification matches. Oh, uh, that's lame. So they're not unifying the titles anymore? And not they're right going to probably least. split up? Not right now. Are we, are we splitting up the world title soon? Okay, anyway, this match, six-man tag team match, Drew McIntyre and RK Bro, Randy Orton and Riddle versus the bloodline of Roman Reigns, Jey Uso, and Jimmy Uso, led to the ring by Paul Heyman. So because this match has zero stakes, zero tri- AAA grade A stakes, Medium rare. 
I'm going to yes. have to say that the bloodline loses somehow. I agree a million percent with you. Drew McIntyre and RK Bro will win this match. I want to say Mac pins one of the Usos. Agreed. I think Drew needs to uh, start uh, rising the ranks, so to speak. I think so. Uh, next up, AJ Styles versus Edge. Damian Priest barred from ringside. Uh, I think Edge will win this match because the newest member of Edge's group, Judgment Day, will come uh, join his group. Might be Tommaso Ciampa. We've heard rumors of that. I'm not quite sure who it's going to be. But yeah, just because Damian Priest is banned doesn't mean that someone's not going to interfere, right? So on this past week on Raw, everyone's got so happy because we had a bullet club kind of reunion ish with Finn Balor and age saving AJ Styles from edge and Damian Priest um, and uh, everyone's thinking Finn Balor is going to side with AJ Styles but I know WWE booking I'm thinking like a 60 year old senile man hence therefore <laughs> I'm gonna have to say that Finn Balor ends up joining Priest and Edge and screws AJ Styles. 60-year-old senile man 20 years ago, buddy. But yes. Talk about Pritchard. <laughs> Fair enough. Yes, yes. 60-year-old senile man. Yes, very good. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I, I love where your head's at on that. I think uh, our two ideas will meld here, and Finn Balor will uh, run in, turn on AJ Styles, and help Edge win this match. Yep. Next up. Uh, I was wrong about Seth freaking Rollins. We have the worst character in wrestling, Happy Corbin, versus the worst character in wrestling, Madcap Moss. <laughs> I don't even know about this match. I forgot that this was a thing. I don't. Can I, can I honestly say I don't care? You know what's funny? And this is, I didn't catch this, actually. Uh, credit to Vinny Verhey from the Brian and Vinny show for pointing this out on the latest Brian and Vinny show. But it's hilarious to me. Do you know that the NFL wouldn't even call Baron Corbin Happy Corbin because his current gimmick is so dumb? They didn't use his gimmick name. They called him Baron Corbin. They announced him as Baron Corbin, and they showed Baron Corbin up on the stage when he announced the NFL draft pick over the past weekend. That is not. I don't see that as they think it's dumb. They do that all the time. They don't know what's going on. They don't know how to announce their names. I don't know. That's not a, dude, it's so dumb. But. I, no, let's let's be a little more tranquilo on that. Like I choose know. to believe. No, I, I, no, I, I choose nope. to believe nope. that they were given the name Happy Corbin nope. and they said, what? No, that's fucking stupid. Does he not have another all. name? Not Call all. him Baron Corbin. Not okay, at all. Do I do not believe I that choose, for a second. This is I this choose is, to believe this is just like, let's shit when when we can type of thing. <laughs> Well, I'm fucking squatting for this one, buddy. I choose to believe that is correct, but you're probably right. Moving on, Bobby Lashley versus Omos. Ya boy, WrestleMania rematch. All right. I'm going to have to say Omos is going to win this one. Yeah, sorry, excuse me, Omos. I think you're right. I, I think, well, maybe he doesn't, but it, they would have wasted... I'm going to say a lot of time on this Omos guy just for Lashley to crunch him twice, beat him in an arm wrestling match, and, and be done with you. Be on your merry way. Yep, exactly. So, so Omos. Yeah, I, yeah, Omos, I think, yes, I think Omos will beat Bobby Lashley. So I'm on board with you on this. Right now, only those six matches announced. I'd like to see Ricochet defend the Intercontinental title versus a good wrestler in a long match. That would be nice. Yep. 
Exactly. There's there's so much to do, so much to go through. All right, so that is WrestleMania Backlash. Just a reminder, Sunday night's main event after party, after WrestleMania Backlash, Sunday night's main event, uh, host Mike McGuire, myself, maybe Matt, and Mark Andrada are going to be joining you to run through that if you want to be part of the show chat on the show chat with us patreon.com slash snme radio and everyone else will get a link for youtubes and you can watch and follow along on youtube yes sir yeah like i said seth versus cody there's no reason to think that's going to be anything but a great match if you go through that card on paper should be some good matches uh yeah let's do it yeah, exactly. Yeah, look, WWE, their weekly TV is uh, questionable. Uh, <laughs> dog but, shit, one might say. Dog shit, questionable. All right. <laughs> um, and so when they, their pay-per-views aren't half bad, mostly. I agree. I thought WrestleMania night one was like fabulous. Really, really good. And night two, though not uh, quite as fabulous in the ring, was a ton of fun. So I think WWE pay-per-views do usually deliver. Exactly. Man, you know what? I love the fact that it is back and we can go, we can watch, we can partake. Qu'est-ce que c'est? Independent wrestling. And here in Toronto, we're such a hotbed. And when I mean Toronto, I'm talking about, you know, the general Toronto, like the GTA, the Golden Horseshoe. Uh, If you live anywhere around the Golden Horseshoe, you are like within minutes of an independent wrestling show from Friday to Sunday. It is a hotbed of wrestling, uh, tons of wrestling shows. And Matt, we have a new promotion starting up Saturday, May 7th. That is tomorrow. It's going to happen at Eastminster United Church, 310 Danforth Avenue, 7 p.m. 7 p.m. bell time, 6 p.m. doors. Only the toughest and a very familiar voice from Sunday night's main event is the main booker on that oh i'm excited boris that's going to be a very interesting upstart very interesting situation we got a bruin here in toronto um yeah we have a lot of independent uh wrestling in this city but you know what the city loves wrestling toronto is one of the greatest wrestling cities in the entire world so uh we're thirsty for it so you know we can talk about this we can promote it all we want but we have you know donnie da silva on the show to chat so we're just gonna throw it to him all right i am joined by only the toughest promoter big show here in toronto on the danforth may 7th for those of you listening from sunday night's main event you may have heard this voice many many years ago he is donnie da silva but back then he was known as big daddy donnie donnie thanks so much for joining me how you doing boris uh yeah nice to be here yeah, it's, it's awesome. So, you know, you spent a lot of years in the business, and then you kind of took a hiatus. Now you're back. You know, what brought you back into the business? Yeah, so I just um, I just had an article that was published yesterday on Slam Wrestling where I went into detail about that. Greg Oliver, who I've known for many, many years, contacted me and said, I would love for you to to pen a guest article. I think it was Greg's clever way of getting out of having to do any work and interview me. Um, <laughs> so he, he put me on the spot and said, no, I think it'll be a better piece if you get to do some introspection. So I did. Um, and really what it is, 
is, you know, I, I was done with the wrestling business. Um, when I walked away approximately 10 years ago from promoting shows and, and booking shows, I kind of felt like I had reached my apex with everything I wanted to do in the indie wrestling business. You know, when I was running tours out on the East coast of Canada and we had the most stacked roster in the history of Canadian wrestling, um, you know, outside of anything that the WWE has done, you know, we had a roster that included Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash, Scott Steiner, the new age outlaws, Bushwhacker, Luke, Steve Carino, Tatanka, Ted DiBiase, Virgil. Like it's an embarrassment of riches. The nasty boys. I'm almost embarrassed to go down the list because I know I'm going to forget guys, but there are even more big names that were on that show that I'm not even thinking of right now. But the point is when I went through that tour, it was like 10 shows in 13 days. I think that's what it was. When that tour was finished, I thought to myself, how do I top this? Because I don't think we can, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a pretty big loop that we just ran for independent wrestling. Yeah. So I did some soul searching, decided I wanted to focus on other parts of my life and, and do other things. And I really sort of got out of the business. I wasn't watching wrestling. I wasn't paying attention to the product anymore. I was really involved in other passions of mine. And late last year, uh, having chats with my good pal Asylum, um, we just started shooting the breeze and talking about, you know, the stories of the old days and when we used to run shows and all of that. And he has an eye on on booking and he's he's been in that chair before, or, or as they say, held the pencil. Um, and we worked together on countless events. And we always had a good time. And, you know, it sort of turned into one of these conversations of what if we did that again, knowing now what we didn't know then. And we started just brainstorming it. And next thing you know, the conversation turns into, okay, why not? <laughs> Let's roll the dice and see what happens. So here we are. And we're a couple of days away from our debut show. Yeah, it's one of those, It's you know, it kind of sounds like one of those things, like, you know, the age-old question is, if you can go back in time with the knowledge that you had, what would you do different? It really sounds like one of those stories, and here we are, a couple days away, this Saturday on the Dan Forth, um, you know, independent wrestling and Toronto, it's almost synonymous, like, it, it, Toronto is such a hotbed for wrestling, and especially independent wrestling, uh, so, you know, what will attract people going to your shows what's different from your show versus everyone else's show so first and foremost i mean going all the way back to my days when when i founded live audio wrestling i got involved with um i got involved with a wrestling school up in cambridge the hart brothers school of wrestling and one of my mentors uh who has since passed waldo von eric he taught me a lot of the ins and outs of the wrestling business. That's where I sort of started my transition from just a fan who talked about wrestling to actually being in the business. And at the time I was starting to like, you know, take some bumps and think about maybe I want to be a wrestler too. I'm a big, tall guy. And yeah, I was like six foot seven, but I was about 180 pounds. So I wasn't exactly built for wrestling. And the one thing he kept saying to me was, when the guy in the front row 
is in better shape than the guy in the ring, you have a problem. And that has always resonated with me. Right. And we never like that feeling of, and this is not to denigrate anyone that's out there doing their thing, but it's not a nice feeling when everyone on the roster has a look or an air about them that any member of the audience could kick their ass if they got into a scrap after the show. Wrestlers are supposed to be big, larger-than-life characters. You know, the guys I grew up watching, if you ran into them in a bar, you'd probably buy them a drink and say, hello, sir. You wouldn't think about starting a fight with them. Exactly, exactly. Because they're, they're monsters. So first and foremost, one of our ideas was, for OTT, only the toughest, let's put back that sense of importance on people that look the part. Let's put back that sense of importance on people that are, you know, um, committed to their craft, whether that means they're gym rats and they've got jacked bodies like silk, or if they're, you know, a guy like beast man, who's 405 pounds, six foot two, but he runs like a, like a sprinter in the Olympics. You know, he's, he's a freak of nature athlete and he's a specimen. Like when you see that guy, you know, he's somebody, right. Um, it's that age old adage. They talk about a lot in the wrestling business. Do these people pass the airport test? You know, the airport test, of course. Yes. (laughs) And if the guy doesn't, guy or girl or whoever, you know, man, woman, whoever, um, if they don't pass the airport test, they probably don't fit on our roster, you know, and that's one of the biggest things. And and for anyone who's listening that didn't quite clue in the airport test is if you saw that person walking in the airport, would you immediately think, oh, that's somebody, I don't know who they are, but they're somebody, you know, and and that's every member of our roster, every single one. Exactly. It's that presence like that, you know, just stop what you're doing and stare at them and just looking up and down this roster. That's exactly what you have here. For example, the first OTT heavyweight championship match is going to be determined between two behemoths. We have yeah. Harry Bulldog Smith, the son of the British Bulldog, going up against Eric Redbeard, who people may pr- probably know him from WWE, um, you know, in his time there with the Wyatt family and everything. So those are just two names right there. You know, if I and I have seen uh, Harry Smith in an airport and I can tell you he for sure passes that airport test. He passed that airport test when I first met him when he was 13 years old. He's always passed yeah. the airport test. He's, he's a freak of nature uh, as a specimen. And I'll tell you this, for those listening that haven't seen Harry Smith, formerly known as David Hart Smith, or sometimes goes by uh, in MLW, he goes by Davy Boy Smith Jr. If you haven't seen Harry Smith wrestle since his last TV run with WWE, you don't have a clue how good this guy is. The work he's done in Japan the work he's done, you know, all over the world in the last few years, not just as a pro wrestler, but as a mixed martial artist and integrating all of that into his current pro wrestling style. It is really beautiful to watch. He's fantastic in the ring. And, um, you know, we tried to do some research and we tried to see in, in my time promoting shows going back to the late nineties, I can't find 
the last time there was a show with two giant monsters on in the main event like this you know the last time the last one i can find was actually a show i worked on i did play uh play by play on it was um 1997 and it was tugboat versus johnny canine bruiser bedlam and that match it was fun at the hamilton convention center but it wasn't nearly what this one will be yeah, the only one I can think of was 1999. I think it was Terry Funk and Abdullah the Butcher. You know, like it's been a while to say the least. So, and 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 Terry Funk take nothing away, right? He's a Hall of Famer. He's a legend. But when what I was referring to is the exactly. physical stature, yeah. and and Terry's a smallish guy, you yeah, know, exactly. which is part of what made him so special. He he took beatings from the big dudes, but we love the fact that we have this physically massive main event from two guys that are just so, so good in the ring. Um, Rowan is an unbelievable next level brawler and he's in the best shape of his life. Like he's dropped 40 pounds from the last time he was on TV with WWE. Oh, that's awesome. I'm really looking forward to that. And that's just the main event. Tell us some other um, local and, 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 you know, out of towners that we're going to be seeing. Well, I already mentioned beast man. Yep. Six foot two, 405 pounds. Uh, um, <laughs> he literally is a friggin' monster, this guy. He's never been to Canada before. He's, he's making his Canadian debut. And he's going to be going up against a guy who's been around forever. Like a guy who's been in Ontario indie wrestling, I think, longer than I've been in it. Um, and that's El Tornado. Tornado's got, you know, three plus decades in the business. Um, he's wrestled everyone under the sun. Uh, and that's going to be interesting to see because beast man is just so massive and agile and unpredictable and tornado is the veterans veteran. Right. So I think that's going to be a cool one to see. And on the flip side of that, you know, you got a guy like tornado who's got three plus decades in the business. And then we got a young guy like Johnny DeLuca, who's one of the hottest things going in Ontario indie wrestling right now, this Saturday at our show will be his birthday. He'll turn 20 years old. He's a baby in this business. He's a puppy and he's going to be fighting Xavier Woods, Xavier Woods, six foot six, 240 pounds. And he flies like a cruiserweight. He's super impressive, dude. He's got power. He's got the aerial game. He literally does everything. And I'm sure those guys are just going to go balls out and, and put it all on the line. Um, I'm excited about the, uh, uh, the match that we have between John Atlas, um, a man who's literally conquered all odds, defeated cancer, come back and, and, you know, beaten the odds and, and, and continues to talk about his journey and his battle. John Atlas is going to fight Karam who's coming in from Detroit, Michigan. He's one of Xavier Walker's running buddies. They often work together down in the Michigan area. That night, they won't be teaming, but they'll both be on the show. Um, We also have a tag team match that I'm super excited about, the Southern Vultures, which is the team of John Greed and Rex Atkins. They're going to be taking on a brand new team created specifically for OTT. They're called the Can-Am Kings, Silk and Sugar Dunkerton. Sugar is electric. He is absolutely electric. When you listen to him speak, when you watch him work, the guy is so much fun and so talented. And Silk, uh, 
you know, trained by one of the best trainers ever, uh, Ron Hutchison. And uh, Silk is just absolutely jacked. I mean, he's got muscles that other guys don't even have spots to put muscles, you know? <laughs> yeah. He is, yeah. He is a specimen and maybe the prettiest dropkick in the province. Oh, can't wait to see that. But really, this is such a combination of old school, new school with just like yeah. that. Just, you know, here we are just going balls deep. Uh, so OTT debut show this Saturday, May 7th at the East Minister United Church. It's 310 Danforth Avenue, 7 p.m. bell time. Where can we find you? Yeah, so you can find us online. If you want to get tickets still, there are still some tickets available online. You can go to onlythetoughest.ca. Anyone listening to this show is welcome to use my personal promo code for 15% off online purchases. The promo code is DaSilva, D-A-S-I-L-V-A. That'll get you 15% off. In addition to that, you can get tickets at the door as they are available. So come early, doors open at 6 and uh, we do have VIP tickets still available. If you want to do a meet and greet with Harry Smith and Eric Rowan, those are also available on our website. You can find more information about each and every match, as well as watch some really fun video promos from the talent. You can find that on Instagram at OTT Wrestling. It's all going to be there as well. On Saturday night, we will be making an announcement about a former multiple-time world champion who will be on our June 11th show and he will be fighting the winner of our main event. So all of that will be coming and we're excited for all of it. Um, and I'll throw this out there for you too, Boris. We have a really cool after party that's happening um, post show. We're expecting the show to be about two, two and a half hours long. And when the show is done, take a walk on down the street, exactly one block East of our venue to the Louis Cipher Brew House. They're going to stay open late just for us. Pick up some food, pick up some beer, have a good time, hang out with some of the wrestlers, hang out with the, the guy who just won the title, and uh, let's have a nice time together. Oh, I'm really looking forward to it, Donnie Da Silva. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm really looking forward to it, and I hope we can have many more chats down the road about only the toughest. Thank you so much. Thanks for your time, Boris. All right, so I want to thank Donnie Da Silva. That's only the toughest here in Toronto on the Danforth tomorrow night. That's Saturday, May 7th. Check it out if you have the time. I think it'll be a great show. Harry Smith, Eric Redbeard in the main event. Don't you dare miss it. <laughs> That's the catchphrase. I love what you did there, buddy. I'm very excited. Good get, homie. Yep. All right, so we have... Man, this is a jam-packed show, tons to talk about, and every week, it's just like, I hate, you know, it's always hard to kind of figure out what we're going to talk about, because this wrestling is so busy right now, but there's certain news items that kind of we can't not talk about, uh, and that is, you know, this next one is one of them. That is, you know, Freddie Prince Jr., former, uh, formerly part of the creative team at WWE, has his own podcast, loves wrestling, loves chatting about wrestling. And over the past several months, he's really been talking more wrestling, more, uh, you know, starting up a promotion. And it's he's thinking of it. He's really thinking of it. Uh, so, you know, he kind of talked about his vision for a future wrestling promotion that he wants to start in the next 18 months. So this is his vision, my friend. He wants to do a two-hour show. He says and claims he has the money for a three-year plan. 
He wants to own the space where this is filmed. Pretty smart. That way he doesn't have to rent. That way, you know, he won't get uh, uh, booked out, etc. So he wants to own where they uh, they are. So here's here's where the the, the things get interesting. He wants the storylines based in reality. Not sure exactly what that means, but I guess a more grounded view to storylines well, and storytelling. Yeah. Um, he wants the men and the women to have equal time on their shows. But here's where things get the most interesting. He wants this to be a SAG show. He wants this to be part of the Screen Actors Guild, which means that the performers are part of the Screen Actors Guild, which means that they will be given health care, health benefits, etc., and is essentially a union in Hollywood. So that, to me, is the biggest takeaway from this uh, announcement, non-announcement, hearsay, yeah. talking points that Freddie Prince Jr. has. So, sounds amazing. Good luck. The thing is, if the SAG thing happens, if he actually does kind of pull this off and can get even, like, a couple people, this could really clean out the NWAs, the MLWs of the world, because who wouldn't want that if you're not currently WWE or AEW? Like, and even if you are, you would still kind of want it. But especially if you're just toiling away on the indies and Freddie Prince Jr. comes along and he says, hey, do you want to work for me and be uh, in the Screen Actors Guild Union? And you'd be like, yeah, that's yep. pretty good. So, again, like, a, we'll see. An- we'll wait and see. Here's another thought, though. What if the wrestlers who join this promotion get blackballed from other shows, independent shows, because they are now part of said union? Fuck them. They're in the Screen Actors Guild. I know. I'm Who just cares? saying. I'm just saying. I'm just <laughs> no, you're saying. right. You're and right. you know yeah. that there are promoters and there are people who are going to invest shit ton of money to blackball a wrestler who goes and, and, and kind of joins this union. Like, to me, I'm, I'm all for it. Like, I'm all for sure. a wrestler getting unionized. I'm all for this. I'm just saying we know the tactics. We know that companies like Amazon and Google throw Billions. You know what's sad? They throw more money to not unionize than they would yeah. to for their people to be in the union. Yeah, they. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, they spend more money avoiding it than they would ever have to spend if it happened. You know what I mean? I understand what you're saying there. But uh, yeah, man. Well, for example, if you're like. You're you're an independent contractor if you're a wrestler, man. If you're like, let's say, a GCW regular, let's say you're Effie or Nick Wayne, young man, who's not even 18 yet. You tell Brett Lauderdale and Joey Janela, respectfully, to suck my dick and you join the Screen Actors Guild. That's what you do. Who cares if GCW blackballs you? I don't give a shit. I'm in the Screen Actors Guild. I'm good to go, man. I got, like you said, health insurance, all those benefits. Like, you can get further acting jobs that's an opportunity beyond what game changer wrestling is going to offer you and not to pick on them what any independent promotion would offer so i'm sure the the people might be quote-unquote blackballed but who cares yeah you're you've moved on to better things For if sure. this happens right and i can see other promotions being forced to go in this direction to sign a tv deal and that's the thing right like this will cause a avalanche in one direction not the band <laughs> yes, Harry Styles will not be involved with wrestling. As far as we know, who knows? Maybe exactly. he's a big fan too. But <laughs> exactly. uh, yeah, no, I I think this is like pie in the sky pipe dream right now. But so was AEW at one Ask point. Ask Cody Rhodes AEW. how that unionization went. 
Exactly. AEW said a lot about sports-based reality programming, too, and we have Malachi Black turning people out evil, but not really, but sort of, and you know what I mean? AEW is not exactly like the UFC a lot, but I still love AEW. I'm glad it exists, and man, if this happens, this could be, uh, to use the term again, a game changer. Yep, and that's like, and this is the thing though. Like, this is why I tried to use pie in the sky type of, um, you know, his, his his vision and and things like that. Because let's be honest, AEW said a lot when they were starting up, and what AEW turned into was sports entertainment with tons of wrestling. You know, that's uh, they're not unionized, they're not this, they're not that. And I'm not trying to crap on them. I'm just saying the reality of when you throw out your vision versus what actually happens can be different. But I support the vision wholeheartedly. Absolutely. I agree with that, buddy. All right, man. So let's move on. Let's jump to New Japan Pro Wrestling. Their best of the Super Juniors 29 is starting on May 15th in Aichi. Uh, The finals are going down June 3rd, and it has been announced, or both blocks have been announced. So we're going to run through the blocks. We're just going to give our initial thoughts. So Yeah, absolutely. If, you, if you're unfamiliar with the tournament, it's a round-robin tournament, so there are 20 wrestlers, 10 in each block. Everyone wrestles each other once, and whoever wins the most matches from each block wrestles in the final. Best of Super Juniors, 2022. Uh, shall we start with the A block, Boris? <laughs> well, let's start with the B, because that makes a lot of sense, buddy. <laughs> A block it is, <laughs> starting with the A block. Sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we have Ryusuke Taguchi, the funky weapon, Yo and Show, Clark Connors, uh, my favorite to win the whole thing, Hiromu Takahashi, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, Ace Austin from Impact Wrestling, which is interesting, Alex Zane, who I guess is New Japan property via New Japan Strong, uh, Francesco Akira, Taiji Ishimori. That is the A block. And uh, your thoughts right there. Man, this is very, like, I like this A block. I like seeing, you know, the the foreigners coming back to Japan, taking part in this tournament. That's what makes, especially the best of the Super Juniors and the tag team tournaments, and even the G1, a lot of fun. Uh, you're, you get different names. I got to say, though, I am shocked that Ace Austin is in this. He is the current Impact X Division champion. He might not be come Sunday. Uh, we'll talk about that in a, in a, in a little bit. But... It's cool. Good for him. Um, so who is coming out of this? I'm going to have to back your 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 prediction, and it's going to have to be Hiromu Takahashi. Absolutely. Yeah. Hiromu coming out of this thing will win the A block, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, and like you said, it'll be interesting to see if Ace Austin keeps his title. Uh, isn't Taiji Ishimori, isn't he currently the IWGP Junior Champion? I believe he is. I believe. I think he, he just won that title back, right? Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, that's so. There could be a couple champions in this A block, and still, I think you got to take Hiromu. He's got to be the favorite. And Moving you, on to the B block. And Sorry. You're correct. Ishimori is, and he just won it yes. uh, a few days ago. I thought so. Yes. But whew, it's hard to keep track. Yeah, man, so much wrestling out there. But yeah, I, I was almost positive I had uh, read that. I have not seen that match yet. So in the B block, Master Watto, Robbie Eagles, one of my favorites, doesn't get enough love, Robbie Eagles, uh, Teton from CMLL, Bushi, El Desperado, Dookie, which just it's funny uh, that that's a wrestler's name. You know, And I, I love know. the fact that we both kind of <laughs> smirked the <laughs> lot. <laughs> 
Al Lindemann, another outsider from Strong Hearts. And here's another outsider for you, Boris Wheeler Yuta from All Elite Wrestling in this tournament. Also, El Fantasmo and TJP, technically working for New Japan Strong, also of Major League Wrestling, Impact, a lot of other places. Yep. Uh, that's a very interesting... I like this B block. This B block has a lot of foreigners, has a lot of different styles, a lot of uh, part-time guys, for lack of a better term. And I, I include TJP a part of this. Um, you know, just anyone who's a strong, I don't really consider them part of the full-time roster uh, because, you know, we see them in other promotions. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Uh, so this one is, is a very, like, well-grouped group. It's hard to... My heart... And just because I'm a mark, it says Wheeler Yuta is going to go far. But realistically, I think that El Desperado is going to win this group. Yeah, I can see that. It's going to be Desperado or Phantasmo, maybe Robbie Eagles. It will be a New Japan wrestler. I do think they're probably going to do a thing where it looks like Wheeler Yuta could win. It'll come down to the last day. But uh, yeah, so I do think uh, you said Desperado. I'll say El Phantasmo. You say El Desperado. Yep. There we go. So, yeah, so Best of Super Juniors, May 15th to June 3rd. We're going to be covering it in some shape, way, or form here on BAM. Uh, we might not watch every single show, every single match, but we will bring you probably some form of coverage here. Yeah, we'll bring you updates, and we'll definitely watch the final. I assume we're both taking Hiromu over L blank. Yep, exactly. That's exactly how awesome. it's going to go down. All right, let's jump to Impact Wrestling. They have a Impact Plus TV special this Saturday, May 7th. Uh, but before that, we had a TV show to kind of fill out the card for that special. And we got right into things. So listen to this card. Considering that they have an Impact, special, an Impact Plus special in just a few days. Listen to this card, my friend. The show kicks off with W. Morrissey versus Brian Myers in a tables match. W? Good old hmm, Dubs. Interesting. Good old Dubs classic, <laughs> Classic tables match for you. Yep. Um, so this match, you know, Jordan Grace appeared. She evened the odds because the major players were beating up on W. Morrissey. So we kind of have this thing going on. W. Morrissey eventually puts Brian Myers through a table for the win. So that was kind of fun. Um, Gia Miller was talking with Rich Swan and Willie Mack. Uh, the major players show up. They kind of get in the face of Swan and Mac, and uh, Cordona reminded Mac that he can take whatever interview and whatever TV time he wants because he is a champion here in Impact. He is the digital media champion. Rich Swan and Cordona kind of just smirk at each other. So, you know, planting some seeds for post under siege going on here. Nice. I like it. Macardona is doing awesome work. He's been on the show here at SNME Radio, and uh, we are big fans of Cardona. Yep. Uh, next match was for the X Division Championship. It was Ace Austin, your champion, versus Rocky Romero. Dude, this match was a ton of fun. Rocky Romero looked amazing. He looks better than ever, honestly. Like, you would never guess that this guy is, like, you know, probably nearing the end of his career or you know the latter half of his career right like he looked better than ever like it was such a good match uh, he was so close to winning this but um ace austin was able to get him in the fold and to retain the x division championship 
Nice. Sorry if you can hear my cat in the background. Nope. He's just come into the room and start meowing. But yeah, man, that's uh, I I agree with your assessment on Rocky Romero. I hope he's not retiring soon, though. But yes, absolutely. It does kind of seem like maybe this is one last run for Rocky and he's doing an excellent job. Yeah, he's everywhere right now. He's everywhere. He's on. He's an impact. He's an AEW. He's obviously on Strong a lot. Uh, man, we gotta watch more Strong. We really need to cover more Strong, which is kind of like hundred percent. You know, if if we can, anyways. <laughs> so after the match. Trey Miguel comes, he attacks Ace Austin, and the commentators make it official that at Under Siege on Saturday, Trey Miguel is going to be facing Ace Austin. I could definitely see the title flipping back to Trey Miguel. He was an awesome X Division champion, but I kind of think that they want the prestige of the X Division champion being in the best of Super Juniors. Maybe they're going to want the title to stay over here instead. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Like, it depends what, you know, both sides make sense. You want the title here. Uh, it also depends on their filming schedule because they might have enough shows filmed up until June 3rd. So, you know, it, it means nothing, right? And I have a feeling that's the case because if they do Under Siege on Saturday, then over the next few days, they might be filming a couple episodes of Impact, which is turns us all into, as Joey Tribbiani would say, a moo point. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice, yes indeed uh, I'm with you buddy, it makes a lot of sense Alright, then we had uh, the third hardest working reporter in all of professional wrestling, <laughs> Gia Miller uh, chatting with Josh Alexander and I like this promo and I'm going to like single out this promo because you know they're trying to build up some form of a match between Ishii and Alexander and essentially it's a respect angle here um, Alexander says that he's going to be watching the Steve Macklin Ishii match closely because he knows that on Saturday he's going to be facing the quote unquote best wrestler on earth. Yeah, quote unquote indeed, because I'm not sure the title means that. But yes, yes, very good. Uh, yeah, Steve Macklin, talk, talk your yeah. talk. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Masha Slamovich got a win. That was fun. Um, question, Matt. In terms of introducing new characters, uh, and when you really want to build someone up, like uh, Masha Slamovich, how long can they just just steamroll over jobbers and steamroll over over people before it just becomes meh? I mean, it's case by case. I can't just give you a number, right? But there is like there is like a spoiling point where it you've seen it too much. I think uh, WWE did a great job with Ryback in that respect. He was squashing people, squashing two people, and then three people. And while he was still hot, they actually did pull the trigger and put him in main events. Now, they, they immediately fucked it up and ruined his career. But it's probably for the best because Ryback is kind of career. an insane. Yeah, he's kind of an insane asshole. But, I mean, in terms of they ruined his push with the, the whole, like, CM Punk thing. Like, that Ryback thing would have worked, though had they actually had the balls to put the title on him. Now, I'm not advocating ending CM Punk's reign for Ryback. What I'm saying is, if they wanted to push that character to the utmost, it could have worked. And I think there is a spoiling point, and it's possible that Masha Slamovich needs to finally face real wrestlers. Yeah, exactly. All right, dumb boys are building up their match. Uh, they have a tag team title opportunity. Chance. I can't believe I was about to say opportunity. God damn it. You I hate were. Myself so oh, I heard much. it. Dude. I oh heard my it. God. I'm going to cut that from the show. Now, <laughs> Dumb Boys versus that, Violent that, by that, Design that. this Saturday at Under Siege. Matt, do you give. We're going to run down the card, but I'm just going to ask you this right now. Do you give the belts to Dumb Boys now? 
yes. Why not? Let's do it. All right. Rich Swan and Willie Mack versus the Bullet Clubs, Jay White and Chris Bay. Fun match. Uh, go out and watch this match. This is a very good tag team match. Jay White, Chris Bay end up winning. Uh, this ends up turning into a schmoz when Honor No More come out to attack White and Bay. Good Brothers come out. It's a huge-ass brawl to kind of end this segment. That sounds like something the Good Brothers and Bullet Club would do. Those yeah. no good hoodlums. Yep. Uh, Tomohiro Ishii versus Steve Macklin. You know, S- Steve Macklin. It's interesting to kind of see. Like, there's. I know a lot of people who really like what he's doing, and I know a lot of people who just find him super boring. Um, I'm kind of in the middle with him. It's hard. Like, I don't know. I think that if he had a little more character, he'd be a lot better. Uh, but his in-ring is, 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 is pretty damn good. Uh, and he kind of had a really good match here with Ishii. And it's exactly what you thought it was going to be. It was two heavy, beefy men who like to hit. Uh, and that's exactly what you got. It was just form slaps back and forth. Steve Macklin tried to be cute. And that kind of uh, backfired uh, because Ishii, um, you know, he chops him, he arms him, he punches him, and he hits him with a brain buster to end the match. Pretty good match. Nice. Yeah, I mean, what has uh, needs to be said about Tomohiro Ishii? This guy is absolutely incredible. So I'm not shocked that he had a good match with Steve Macklin, who is, like you said, a good wrestler. Yep. And here's the, the, the interesting one for me. You know, you have a special card on Saturday that you want people to pay for your services for, whether it be Impact Plus or that YouTube subscription that they have. Um, so, you know, it's just, to me, it's uh, it's a odd choice that you would put a Monsters Ball match as the main event right before a special card. That's Jonah versus PCO in a Monsters Ball match. Yeah, it feels like it was probably booked for this show, but taken off for whatever reason. Maybe there was a scheduling conflict or maybe there was just like they ran out of time on the show. But it feels like this match was on under siege and it just got moved, right? I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Like it, When you look at the card, like the card is packed for under siege. You even have uh, two pre-show cards. So I'm not sure what's going on. Regardless, maybe this is how they want to sell, uh, you know, uh, pay-per-views. But, you know, this kind of lends into something that I've been hinting at. We'll talk about this in a lot more detail. And that's kind of like, you know, what is the ideal split between importance of TV and having huge TV shows versus pay-per-views, right? Like, wrestling has changed before you had TV to sell pay-per-views. But, you know, you know, you look at the cards that AEW throws you, which is like a pay-per-view card each and every week. Is that smart? And then you have this, where, you know, Impact has more traditional booking, but this week they seem to kind of throw the entire barn at you. Uh, yes. Yeah, I disagree with AEW. I disagree with your point on AEW. I don't think they do that. I don't think they throw a pay-per-view card at you every week. Yeah, well, okay, the more opener- often than not, they do. Well, sometimes they do. Sometimes they do. More but the opener this week, do. I don't think so. The opener I, this week. The only reason you're saying Fish. that is because this week was a lesser card than most. But let's be honest. I, most weeks, you have you know four matches that you know the Tony Khan wants to market as dream matches, first time ever matches, or whatever the hell marketing term he wants to use. It uh, doesn't mean it's true. I don't think Regardless. I don't think they're wasting matches on AEW anyway. But that's the thing. That's the conversation we're going to have at some point. Anyways, Monsters Ball match, PCO Jonah, it's exactly what you would think. Crazy match. PCO ends up winning. Uh, oh. should, should you watch this match? I don't know. 
But for sure, I don't think the war is done between the two. It's hard to say. It depends what's your cup of tea. If you like a, a hardcore match, this isn't the most hardcore of matches, but it was entertaining enough. There's there there's that that there's that like you know, uh, car accident you know uh, uh, thing where with PCO where just he he's just so insane, and then you factor his age, and it's just like what is going on with this man? It's absolutely crazy. It's like he thinks if he'll never stop. If he never stops, if he never slows down, he'll like never, you know what I mean? Actually feel the pain. It'll never catch up with him. Maybe he's right. I don't know. Maybe he's just made of rubber. I don't get the PCO thing at all. But yeah, this guy's like 60 and he's still flipping off the top rope through tables. Yep. All right. So this leads us into Under Siege, which is this Saturday, Impact Plus and YouTube. All right. Let's run through the code really fast. So pre-show match, Rich Swan versus Laredo Kid. Uh, yeah, I, that, on paper, pretty solid. Uh, definitely lucky to get that for free on YouTube. Yep. Pre-show, Madison Rain versus Giselle Shaw. I, I I feel less lucky. This is more of a pre-show match, but good on you. All right, so let's get to the main card. Alex Shelley versus Speedball Mike Bailey. That could steal this entire show. That's going to be dope. Yep. Chris Sabin versus Steve Macklin. I feel like I've seen that match a bunch in Impact recently, but that's fine. These, uh, again, two really good wrestlers going to be a very strong And match. remember, this isn't, I, I like to, you know, kind of akin these shows to Saturday night's main event as opposed to a pay-per-view. They're more special gotcha. cards than pay-per-views. Makes sense. Yeah. So the next match is Bullet Club, Switchblade, Jay White, Carl Anderson, Doc Gallows, El Fantasmo, and Chris Bay versus Honor No More's Eddie Edwards, Matt Taven, Mike Bennett, Kenny King, and Vincent. Yeah, ten big old ten man tag. I that, it'll be fine. Uh, Bullet Club's gonna Bullet Club, unfortunately, in this match. Yes. Yes, they will. Um, all right. Then you have for the AAA Reina de Reinas Championship, Taya Valkyrie versus Diana Perrazzo. Interesting. Yeah. So Diana Perrazzo, fresh off the main event of AEW Dynamite here, uh, trying to regain her Reina de Reinas Championship. Uh, Taya's got to keep this, right? I think so. I think so. I think that's the clear choice, the more clear choice. I think Taya is a pretty big name in Mexico, anyways. So, you know, but what do we know? Yeah, nothing. We know nothing. Impact, World Tag Team Championship match, Violent by Design, your champions versus dumb boys, the Briscoe brothers. Yeah, throw it on the Briscoes, especially it seems like Tony Khan is pretty trepidatious to use them. So I, I hope the Briscoes get the tag team titles here. X Division Championship, Ace Austin versus Trey Miguel. Yeah, gotta be, gotta be Trey Miguel, I think. I, I Although, like, if I were booking, I think that like they should want the prestige of the X division champion being in the super juniors, even if he's not going to win his block, I think it still helps and doesn't hurt to get the, uh, to get the exposure. You know what I mean? Having said that, I bet, I bet that they put the title back on Miguel. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards your train of thought, but I'm also in the train of thought where, you know, this is the first time that impact a champion from impact is going to be in Japan, right? Like it's the first time in a while. Not ever. In a while, I should, should have said. Um, the other thing is, I can see Trey Miguel, this kind of being his swan song for the X Division uh, generally, um, and him moving up to the heavyweight in some shape or form, whether that be a short program with Josh Alexander, because can you imagine that match? Trey Miguel, Josh Alexander. That could be really good. A clash of styles, but maybe in a, in a really good way. Yep. Uh, knockouts Championship, Tasha Steeles versus Havoc. 
Should be Tasha. Looks like she's getting a strong push. Yep. And for the Impact World Championship, Josh Alexander versus Tomohiro Ishii. That's that is awesome on paper. That is that is an actual dream match right there. Alexander versus Ishii. I'm sure Josh Alexander is very excited for that one. I can't wait to see it. Yep. So that's Impact this Saturday, May 7th. Under Siege, Impact Plus, YouTube subscription. Go check it out. I'm going to cover it for Slam Wrestling over at slamwrestling.net. We're going to chat about it next week here on BAM. We have one yes. more thing to get to, and that is Defy Wrestling, Wild Ones. You know, every time I think Wild Ones, I just think of that song. No, Sam, I hate it. It's really bad. <laughs> you know, and you're so lucky. You're so lucky that I hate the song so much that I wasn't playing it as I talked about it. Yeah, please don't. Don't splice it in. <laughs> Is that your cat? No, no, I was just, no, no, I was just loading up a, uh, why, do you hear something? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Interesting. No, because I, I don't really, I don't particularly hear something. It must be on your end. Is that your cat? Do you have a cat? <laughs> Not a euphemism. Um, all right, so Defy Wrestling on Pluto TV. It's an app can find it in the states not available in canada thank you crtc for making distribution impossible for tv here but uh you know defy wrestling had a pretty big card over the weekend uh, but we're going to focus on the main event john moxley versus filthy tom lawler matt i watched this earlier in the week and i just really was so curious to hear what your thoughts on this match was Oh, man, yeah, this is becoming the the style of the uh, Blackpool Combat Club. This absolute, like, this UFC style, the new, uh, the new strong style, the new hybrid MMA pro wrestling. And, yeah, this match was just a physical blood sport kind of war, man. This was just a, if you're into this kind of, like, hard-hitting, realistic pro wrestling you're gonna love this match it was a it was a fucking bloodbath too so i don't know i think yeah it just absolutely just violent just just uh brutal match and filthy tom is a good heel filthy tom is an excellent heel um i still think that he was underused in mlw uh maybe they knew he wasn't going to resign so they kind of just you know let him kind of just be there uh but not really push him too much but filthy tom is so freaking good and man moxley just Moxley, like what he's doing right now in the indies is just incredible. Like this guy is just literally leaving blood, sweat and tears for our <laughs> entertainment. It's crazy how often this guy is bleeding, how often he's having absolute wars. I, you have to be hearing my cat now. He did break into my room and is meowing. Anyway, so, man, John Moxley, it's just so funny. It's just my, my cute cat's just sitting here meowing and rubbing up against my leg. And I'm just talking about this man going to war and bludgeoning other humans on like a, on like a weekly basis. Like every weekend he's in one of these things where he's just bleeding and beating the shit out of someone. Yeah, I know it's crazy. Um, but yeah, this match, like, it wasn't the most technical match. This isn't, you know, Brian Danielson versus anyone else. You know, this is no. exactly what you would expect from John Moxley from from a filthy Tom Lawler match. They just went at it. They went to war. They were bleeding within minutes and they just kept kicking each other's ass. Every move, every lock, every DDT, every slap, every punch, every kick just looked brutal. 
Yes, yeah, man. Yeah, if you have access to Pluto TV, if you can watch this match readily, I would say go do it. If I had to put a rating on it, I have to think about it a little bit, but it would be like right on the border of like four and a quarter, four and a half. So the way we rate matches here, stick to the five-star scale, Boris. Four out of five is great. That's that's 80%. That's an A, but it's an A minus, you know. So it's above great. It's in something special territory, which is four and a quarter. We're getting super nerdy now. That's 85%, right? It's not A minus, it's an A. It's it's not just great, it's something special. Now a, a step above that, I would say is like an all-time classic. And I'm it's like it's like kind of on the border. You know what I mean? Like it was it was it was something special. Was it one of the all-time classic brawls in wrestling history. Honest to God, man, I don't know. You can talk me into it. There was a lot of blood. They hit each other real fucking hard. At the end of the day, I think I'm going four and a quarter, but it's close. It's yep. close. Exactly. And, and just a reminder, not only do we, the way that we rate matches is we not only rate the in-ring, we have our pillars, we have the in-ring, we have the present production presentation, we have the crowd, we have the commentators. All of that factors into our rating system. So our rating system can be very different from other people's, but we tech typically view this as, as we're watching this on TV, how did this match come off on all angles, not just yeah. the in ring. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a good example is uh, for, uh, let's say Royal Rumble 1992. I think we both agree the way we look at wrestling. We kind of look at it as a, as a piece of theater overall. Uh, that's a five-star match. And I, I think like, uh, for example, Dave Meltzer might've given that like th a three and a half or something. I don't even think he gave that four stars, which to me is crazy. Another one is uh, Macho Man versus uh, take your pick of Macho Man WrestleMania matches. Macho Man versus Ultimate Warrior comes to mind for sure. A five-star match in my opinion. Opinion, like the theater miss elizabeth like the whole like you know what i mean it's one of the all-time great moments how is that not five stars but like i think a lot of wrestling fans would go well the in-ring action was such and blah 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 and like you know they wouldn't say that you it feels like almost silly to rate a match like that five stars but i'll be silly i don't give a shit that's a five-star match exactly that's exactly it. All right, so that is Defy for sure. We're going to keep them on our radar. And again, thank you to everyone who kind of told us that we should watch this before and after the card. Um, you know, it's it got lost. I wanted to name names, but uh, it got lost in the shuffle. And uh, yeah, that that's, that's kind of where we're at. So Defy Wrestling, Pluto, go watch it. Or, you know, if yeah. you have other means to watch wrestling, you just go and throw it on Defy from, from the weekend. And, uh, we're all <laughs> good. You know how to... The navig to navigate the gray web. But yeah, Defy Wrestling out of Seattle doing some awesome work. Really, it seems like a, the hottest indie in the United States right now. Yeah, between them and Game Changer Wrestling for sure. I will one of them to take the cake. Uh, just remember, speaking of indie wrestling, only the toughest here in Toronto. May 7th on the Dan Forth, only the toughest Eric Redbeard versus Harry Smith. Dude, we have so much going on here on Sunday night's main event uh, in terms of shows. Tomorrow you have those shows. Saturday we have the Smack Daddies talking all things SmackDown. And then we have our Rampage Ramble where myself and Joe Aguinaldo this week are going to be chatting all things Rampage. Just a reminder, well, by the time you listen to this, you've probably already watched Rampage. But Rampage is on at 5.30 p.m. Eastern on Friday, so that's an early one. Yeah, that's it. Good, though. You know, I'm excited to actually watch the show at a reasonable time Yeah, on Friday. Yeah. And then 
On Sunday, we have the flagship show with Mike McGuire chatting all things pro wrestling with Dave Meltzer and guests. We typically have uh, roundtables and panels chatting the week that was professional wrestling. That's Mike McGuire every Sunday, Sunday night's main event. And then on Sunday evening this week, we have WrestleMania Backlash, the after party featuring a various slew of hosts and you, the patrons, if you want to be a patron, go to patreon.com slash S-N-M-E radio 550 a month. That's all it costs to get one wrestling show a week, similar to this show, but a little more focused on shows themselves. We're the smorgasbord of professional wrestling shows, uh, but uh, you get one TV show each and every week, including personalities like Dan DeMouthofransky. And others. So that's uh, the Patreon. Um, and we have so much to get through. Again, thank you for listening, whether you're a first time listener or the 45th time listener here on BAM. I want to thank each and every single one of you. Yes. Thank you all for coming. Thank you all for listening. Check out the TikTok. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's Matt. I'm Boris. Until next time, everyone, stay a little tranquilo. Be safe. We'll be chatting to you later this week.